I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Sex Caliber Bones a lot. Madeline, Edward, Sunzi, Alyssa, Vixen, Holly, Natasha, Laura, Boezy, Jeremy, Ali, Mr. Rage Bomb, Libby, Wes, Aaron, Kristen, Tia, Jonathan, Kate, Isaac, and Karun. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror virgin community. If you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group where we hang out daily or come to Barrow, Alaska, where we're going to hold up for 30 days and 30 nights. So I got invited to a co-worker's birthday party last night. Uh-oh. And like, she's a manager and like an adult. So there's a bounce house <laughs> is what you're saying. Well, and then I pulled up and I saw a couple of the co-workers and I was like, wait a minute. Is this like an adult party like charcuterie and wine and, and like a bonfire? Or is this like red cups, no food? party oh and i was like wait a minute and then it was definitely the second one and so like no, and then so at least have charcuterie with your red cups and this whole group had very heavy like i said jelly roll energy bubba sparks energy that oh, kind yes. of kind yeah, of, yeah. Oh, absolutely so yes I, I, lots of flannel lots of you know stuff like that i do also know who bubba sparks is because i was shamed one time and had to do research yes <laughs> so i'm walking out and one of the guys i met was like it was nice to meet you, sir. Sir? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. My dear It was nice that your dad was here. And uh, I don't think I'm going to recover. I, I can't stop thinking about it. That man hurt me. That boy hurt me more than anyone has hurt me in a very long time. Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like watching scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week... Todd is sick. Todd's so we sick. watched 30 days and 30 nights. Thank you. 30 days of night, right? 30 days of night. 30 days and 30 nights, I think, is another movie. I think I'm thinking of 40 days and 40 nights, which is another yes. Josh Hartnett movie where he teases that girl with the feather. Yeah. So obviously, this is not the first time Mikey and I had seen this movie because we did this movie on episode 33 of this podcast. Back on July 30, uh, sorry, back on December 31st of 2018 was the last time I saw this movie. And uh, I didn't find it nearly as scary this time around. That's usually how scary movies work. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. This was the first time I ever saw this movie. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah. What did you think? Because, okay. So, what did you think? 
I'll shut up. Yeah, no worries. Sorry. I It's one of those movies that came out in like a flurry of a bunch of other horror movies, and I just never got the chance to see it back in the day. Yeah, okay. And then when you guys did the episode on it, originally, I listened to that episode, and I was like, fuck, this movie sounds awesome. Like, I should watch this. And then I never got around to it. And then when it won, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's, yes. I do really like this movie. I yeah, think right? The concept is really inventive it is based on a comic book which does make sense it does have that kind oh, of graphic novel excuse me <laughs> it's, it has a walking dead feel to it yes, in it a does. good way like yeah. the, the good parts of walking dead to the point where in watching it i was like fuck this would have been a good miniseries like i would have yeah. killed to watch this as an hbo six to eight episode one shotter i would have lived yeah I do think that it's scarier earlier when you can't see the vampires. Yes. Right. When they're just shadows and they kind of keep them in shadow for a long time. Very wisely. So. But then even once you do see them, it's got kind of a early 2000s vibe of of those. Yeah. But they do look kind of shark like. Yes. With their eyes. And I thought that was really interesting with it's their so eyes cool. and just the point of their face. And it's not just like Dracula fangs. It's like all their right. teeth become like saw like. It's like anglerfish teeth. Yeah. They just like eat people. It is very yeah. like sea life like. Yeah. On some level. Their vibe. Like cosmic horror vampires. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And you might could cut a little bit out of it but not much and it didn't feel long like the pacing feels good yeah like this movie kicks off real fast real fast and and you're kind of constantly moving yes yeah. but I, and i do think it is sort of like early 2000 energy right yes. and it's very paint by numbers horror like now that I've seen a bunch of movies, like I know to expect some things and i would seen this one before but it was like mm -hmm. you know five years ago so i <laughs> i didn't remember everything but like if you sort of have watched a bunch of movies, you you know what's coming. You know what's about to happen, yeah. right? But I don't mean that in a bad way for this movie because it's done so well. Well, and because you've got a unique setting, villains that are uniquely adaptable to that setting, there are some things they do that you're just like, oh shit, that was really cool. Like that, yeah. and it made me want to read the graphic novel because I bet it fucking slaps. So that's- Have you read it? No, I think I'm gonna okay. do it because I think- Rewatching this film again because I've I've seen it a few times. I saw it when, I saw it in theaters when it came out. Yeah. I did it on the other podcast episode, and I think it's one of these films, kind of like a classic horror film. It holds the film. fuck up. It holds the fuck up. It really it doesn't does. age. Where like the the effects don't really age that badly, and like I think I catch more each time I watch it. Where I'm just like, fuck that design is cool, or like that choice was really cool, or that scene was really cool. And like I, I, I'm with Paige. I want to dive more into like the survival aspect and like let let it go for like eight and episodes. The world. Uh huh. Because yeah. it was obvious in the books, other stuff's going on around town, and it's like jumping around. But they like concentrated in this stuff. I really want to read the books, but I, I super dig it. I super design. I like the design of the vampires. I do like the main guy. He's famous, right? The Anthony Bourdain looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but he always plays a villain. Oh yeah. But also, it has Manu Bennett who played Crixus yes. in Spartacus Blood and Sand, and I was like, Crixus! Oh my god. By the way, the guy who played like the main vampire, who the, the guy who I just said looked like Anthony Bourdain. He does look like Anthony Bourdain, though. Uh, his name is Danny Houston. 
Yes. Uh, especially in this because the way the makeup makes his face like yes. it just makes it more it's like contoured. So it looks more like Anthony Bourdain than he actually does. It changes his jawline yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And they clearly picked other vampires, like actors to play the vampires that were of disparate heights, yeah. disparate sizes. Like they very clearly were like, okay, who is kind of striking looking that when we put this makeup on them will really stand out. And that's kind of cool too, because they all look a little different, but also the same. It's They did a really great job on the creature design for sure. I think yeah. so too. I think it's great. I would have been livid if I was filming this movie in a dress and nothing more. Like the vampire that like gets hit with the UV rays the first oh, yeah. time mm-hmm. I felt so bad for that actress just watching that scene she was she's in like boots oh, yeah. and like a dress that's it well and she had a jacket earlier in the film that she has taken off yeah. I think so that she could get burned or whatever as far as the like you know yeah. but yeah and I was like I know they filmed this in a cold place but like did is all the snow real and stuff so there's a lot of stuff and fun facts that we'll talk about nice okay cool this was a, a tough shoot I buy that like if it wasn't in a place like they're doing the movie about, you know, where they do lose daylight for well, like a long period of time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like, then they're shooting all night shoots, right? So it's either go to a terribly cold climate because you got to go way north to get there, right? Right. Or you can fake the snow and then do night shoots for, like, a month and a half, which would be torture, too. So I will spoil a fun fact okay. because you, you bring this up. Uh, most of the night shots are shot during the day yeah. using the day for night process, but you can't tell. They did it really well. They did. And we have brought this up a number of times on this show of like, when you go day to night, it is always a challenge. Yeah. And even some of the like best movies struggle with it. Like they spent millions on Nope just to make night shoots look good. Well, didn't they invent a whole new process? Like They did, and it looks so amazing. It does. And that it, movie like, is shot so perfectly. Beautiful. But the ones that do it really well, you can I can count off on fingers, unless I just don't know, but it's like, no, right. it's uh, like that Mad Max Fury Road, that, but there was only a couple of scenes. Yeah, there's then, only a couple of like, scenes. And this film, and like most of them, you just like, you're like, oh, this looks bad. Like yeah. Most of them, you just are automatically like, oh. Yeah. Night doesn't really look like light blue. Right. right. Exactly. And this is a nerdy thing to point out, but I think what most people do and do wrong is all they try and do is color correct. They're like, we'll just capture it and we'll color correct so it looks like night. But the lighting's going to be off if you don't consider night lighting versus day lighting. Like, it's a whole thing. Like, it has to be well thought out and executed well on the day so it looks good after you color correct. So do you want to know where this was shot? Because it it will probably surprise you. Yeah. Miami, Florida. (laughs) Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's shot in in New Zealand. Now, New Zealand does have snowy climates. Obviously, that's why they shot Lord of the Rings there because you could shoot a bunch of stuff there. But that's why about half the cast is either Kiwi or Australian. Yeah, okay. Is that the language they're speaking? No. No. It's it's I'll I'll burn another fun fact because there are a few fun facts. It's a completely original language developed for the film. I think I remember that from the last yeah. episode. Because I remember um Natalie actually asked me that while we were watching it. And I was like, No, I think they actually created it for this. Yeah. And this movie does feel like very thought out. And it's probably because yes. the source material was extremely well thought out because it was a graphic novel, you know. In the graphic novel, we probably get other families' stories as well as this main story, which is cool. Yeah, in the graphic novel, so the Steve Niles who wrote the graphic novel, I'm just burning through fun facts (laughs) right now, but I don't care. It's interesting. It's fine. 
Uh, Steve Niles, who wrote the graphic novel, originally thought about it as a film and studios didn't like it, didn't want it. And so he reworked it into a comic book. Yeah. And eventually a studio that rejected the original screenplay bought the comic book version, which is something that like for like the pilot I wrote, I have also talked to comic book publishers because I'm like, this could easily be reworked. Oh, yeah. That pilot would honestly be a pretty dope uh, dope graphic graphic novel. novel. Yeah. Especially with the right artist. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we kind of end up with what we get for this. But I do think it's it's really effective. It's really good. I I feel like this is a rarity in being a truly scary vampire movie. Yeah, it really is. Like, this is not a one for me today, even though I said, like, it's not as scary as the first time I watched it. I'm pretty sure I gave us a high rating last time. But yeah. I think the biggest scare was when the vampire jumps through the window. Yes. In so the kitchen. Because, like, I was like, oh, she's going to get snatched, like, at Seven Brides or Seven Brothers, and she's about to get rowed through the pass. But, like, she doesn't get pulled out the window. Like, no. He jumps through the window like he's a bullet and then he's in the house and he's just terror in the house. I also this movie is very gory, but it is purposeful, which I always appreciate. Like, I don't mind gore if it makes sense in the story and it gets us somewhere. Right. And this is one of those movies where it's like this is a fucking bloody movie, but it makes sense. And so you go along with it. It's not out of character. It's not strange. It's not for shock value. It's just a part of the story, and it just happens to be a very bloody story. Well, I mean, the way their teeth work, the way they actually go about biting their necks because of that. Well, they have to rip heads off because they don't want to turn people. Which I thought was interesting. Most vampires, I think, just eat and leave because you have to drink their blood to turn, right? Depending on the mythology, in this one you don't. Well, yeah, yeah, of course, because in this one you don't, right? But I thought that that was interesting because, like, And maybe it's just the most that we've done on this podcast have been the they have to choose to turn you and you have to choose to drink the blood sort of. Right. I'll just say consent version of turning into a vampire. There's a couple of movies like this where it's like a bloodborne illness. Right. Right. Almost like a zombie virus. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I like that take on it. That feels more science based vampires than like religion based vampires, which I dig. Well, it changes the dynamic of the the purpose and point behind a vampire vampire story right so like with zombies where it is an infectious disease a lot of the fear and the root fears that zombies get at are things like just disease in general but also overwhelming swarms yeah like being overpowered just by sheer numbers consumerism uh society collapse like that's a zombie thing which we get almost all of that in this movie (laughs) yeah this puts vampires in that realm where Typically, vampire vampiric stories cycle around both religious views on sexuality. Vampires are usually stories about sexuality. Like lustful behavior. Yeah, lustful behavior. They're a cautionary tale yeah. of excess. I mean, we watched a wolf version of Gary Ullman go down on a chick to death or whatever happened in Dracula uh, last week or two weeks ago so two weeks ago yeah um yeah so like so this <laughs> takes it out of that realm and yeah. puts it more in a zombie context in a way you could argue that these are not vampires they are zombies yeah you could make that yeah. argument uh, they're more like return of the living dead zombies because they talk and like hunt and trap and stuff but yeah yeah they're more conscious than your typical zombie for sure i like this version of vampire where it's just like this is a monster that kills yes yes a predator i like an unromanticized vampire i just wanted to see one of them sparkle is that what you were thinking mikey 
No. Oh no, I was thinking I just wanted one of their faces to open up and for him to be like ha 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 ha. Oh, ha, like the predator, ha, ha. like with the mandibles. It's not you, yes. it's me. Yeah, an unromantic predator. Um, yes. But no, I I agree with you, Mikey, because it brings them almost more into like an animal realm. Yeah. Like where they are a true creature, a monster. They you are know? hunting them. I mean, they use multiple like traps, like or bait, I should say. Like, well, the one bait girl is still a human. They promised her she'd be safe if she. She walked and she's like, I did it. And then when they just kill her and you're yeah. just like, oh, my God. Well, I mean, they made the whole plan of going to Alaska. They have Google. They have all. They it's have all, I mean, such a good plan, too. Like, it really is. I'm like, this fucking brilliant. I like the their humanity hidden part is not what they're using right now. This was their plan right. was to go have like a fucking blast in Alaska. This is their Alaskan yeah. cruise. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Alaska. <laughs> They saved up all year to go. They they saved up all their vampire frequent flyer bat bucks. Right. Yeah. So when they come to town, they're not they're not like oh I don't they're want anybody to discover Mary's me. Bloody on the Lido deck. Like they are yeah. out. They're like let's just slaughter this town. Actually, we see the cruise boat in the background as we see Ben Foster walking towards the city at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That must be like a the vampire version of Carnival Cruises back there. Carnivore Cruises. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, you can't make me laugh that hard while I'm sick. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. I am like deathly ill right now. Yeah, sorry. While Todd's dying, this made me wonder because we don't really know for sure in the movie. I assumed that boat brought them. It did. And that that's how they got yeah, there. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I assume that as well. I guess it doesn't confirm that, but I thought that as well. Yeah. But that reminded me of The Thing. Yeah. In a way. There's a lot of parts of this movie that are almost like an homage to The Thing. Sure. So that's also why I'm like, this is a built-in yes movie for Paige. It's like a cousin. It's like a Thing cousin. I I, I like it. It's, it would be a good double feature with The Thing for like, 100. oh, we're, we're, we're snowed in. What kind of movies can we watch? Yeah, we're going like, to watch what, The what, Thing mm-hmm. and then 30 Days of night and then we're going to top it off with the lodge if any of us are not mm-hmm. depressed don't watch the lodge on a sad day no like that's all i'm gonna say it's a fucking rough one it is not a good movie to watch on a sad day so let's just go through this movie scene by scene then we open on a title card that says barrow alaska northernmost town in the u.s yeah and this is a real quick title card that gives us all the info we need it's isolated in 80 miles of roadness wil- roadless wilderness and it's cut off every winter for 30 days of night. Do you think he could survive 30 days of night? Like without vampires? Yes. Mm, yes. Probably not here, though. Like th- this locale is like where I would not want to live in Barrow, Alaska ever, right? Mm. I don't do well in the cold. I layer, like you guys know this about me. Sure. But I could do 30 days where I just have to like be awake at night for sure. Okay. If there's a money prize, yeah, let's do it. I, I think I could do it. I mean, this is pretty much as bad as Daylight Savings Time. So uh, I think I could do it. I've been training for it all my life. Absolutely. It gets dark here at like 4.30 p.m., Paige. I have questions. Though. Am I working every of these days? No, in my mind, it's just me and you at your place playing video games every night. I wouldn't make it. I can't have Todd in this <laughs> scenario. See, I thought about it both ways. Okay, so like, because oh what we see in this town is they kind of of like lock up for the winter where it's right. like people yeah. aren't really working you're just kind of surviving which is why stay they because it's there. your house and you don't want you want yeah. your pipes not to freeze 30 and like, days of doing nothing yeah i think i could do it no electricity though like i would have to have internet i would have to have tv no you would have you would have electricity okay. yeah, yeah, yeah until the vampires cut it off that's true it's actually ben foster that cuts it off i think but yeah do you have inter- do you have like high speed internet or are you just like you had to stock up on dvds and stuff back at this time it was probably slow internet if anything but now it would be probably high speed well and they did 
have internet. They because yeah. she's like, oh, the computer's down. Yeah, I would probably like work out an hour a day. I would try not to eat chili dogs and then cook chili every day. Okay, if you're trying not to eat chili dogs, don't cook chili every day. Yeah, like I know right. that's, that's eventually step one. a chili dog's gonna happen. I know. You're going to be like also cooking hot dogs for later in the evening and it's going to fall. I know. Or you're going to be cooking naked and it's going to fall off the spoon. Yeah. And you're like, that looks like a chili dog. Yeah. I'd watch a bunch of movies, read and play video games and like hang out with people. This would be a really fun time to like, I guess I see why they banned alcohol. But I would be like, what a fun time to just like get drunk and wander around town. Mikey, we would die if we were allowed to have alcohol. I mean, I don't drink. It's definitely but like, why yeah. they banned alcohol. I don't think I could do it. I think not having the like daytime nighttime would throw my circadian rhythms off so badly that my sleep cycle would suffer so much that I would not be able to in a healthy way do it and then I was like well what if I had to go to work and it was just regular days but with night I think I could do that better than 30 days of day I could do 30 days of day like at night I could when there's no sun I could sleep easier you wouldn't need blackout curtains all that stuff right. 30 days of day would be like I'd be like up at 2 a.m. going for a walk like oh no like when, when do you sleep I don't know what's going on yeah that, I mean I I feel like I wouldn't like either agree because I can sleep almost anywhere my worry with daytime, I might have some trouble getting to sleep because I wouldn't recognize that it was late enough for me to go to sleep. But then the nighttime, I feel like I would just sleep the whole time. Yeah. And I would sleep too much. I would basically hibernate. Especially if all you had to do was survive, right? Like, and you're yes. like well stocked, like you don't have to leave or anything. Like, right. yeah, I would get up every night with Mikey and then like, you know, we'd make chili dogs and play video games and he'd be like, tomorrow, no chili dogs. And I'd be like, sure, Mikey, sure. I feel like I'd get super depressed, super I would. fast. Okay, let's talk about it because yeah. the people of this town, every house would have a U. V light yes. just for like yeah. reasons, right? Right. I think I've got a week max, and then I am like, I need to leave. I get that before my mental health suffers indefinitely. <laughs> yeah, I do well until after New Year's. But yeah, I I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I think I know myself, and I'd start out being like, we're gonna write so many pilots, and then it would be like two terrifying horror pilots later. I'd be like, just take me out of here. Like, give me the sun. By the way, that's day four. Yeah. Day four <laughs> of me not e either sleeping the entire time or not sleeping at all. And either one would be bad, I think. Yeah. Anyway, we cut to cold Ben Foster in a parka who is looking out over the ice fields at a frozen ghost ship. And he walks across the snow until he sees a town. And we get a little title card that just says last Day of Sun. Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, Carnival Cruises Demeter ship over Carnivore there. Carnivore Cruises. Excuse me. Yes, Carnivore Cruises, Mikey. Demeter ship over there. And they sent their, like, entertainment director who they kept <laughs> the, alive. The comedian from the cruise. Yeah. <laughs> ben Foster. <laughs> famous comedian. I think Ben Foster is an amazing actor. He's I a do great too. Actor. I love when I see him in movies, and I think he is a little underutilized in this movie. But man, he's good. Sure, he does great. Yeah, I will say just because like our joking made me think of it. I know a lot of comedians who do cruise ships, and it's kind of a similar thing because it's always ocean. Because like you're not on a cruise, you're working, right? So they tell people who do it, you have to aggressively set a schedule. And stick to it or you will go crazy. 
because like you are mostly up at night. So if you don't like force yourself to go to bed, you'll end up sleeping all day and kind of get nocturnal. It's weird. But yeah, a lot of my friends who do cruise ships are like, you can only do it for a certain amount of time before it really starts to get to you. And you have to be real aggressive about your schedule and what you're doing during the day. I would never do that. I would never do that. I've seen Deep Rising. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we cut to Josh Hartnett and Crixus, who are on a hill looking at a pile of burned phones. I loved him as Crixus. Crixus's story makes me sob at the end of Spartacus. Oh, yeah. I've only seen the first season of Spartacus, but yes. I mean, he's really good in this guy is obviously the main guy yeah. was too, but this guy is really good as Crixus. Yeah. Yeah. Just his arc at the end where like at first you think he's a total douche and then you find out what's like really happening to him and you're just like, stab her, Crixus! <laughs> like, do yeah. it! She kept you as a slave! Like, it's rough. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. he's great. But he is like one of those guys who isn't like super famous, but a, pretty much every woman knows him by sight. They're like, oh, yeah. He was in Xena Warrior Princess yeah, back in the day. Ma- that's Manu Bennett. Yeah, yeah, that's I know Manu that guy. Bennett. Of yeah. course. Yeah, he was Crixus in that show I masturbated to. Yeah, he was Crixus. Yeah. I could probably pick his dick out of a lineup. Let's do it. It's Crixus. <laughs> that's where I learned about Jai Courtney. Spartacus blood and sand, man. Holds up. I think Natalie mentioned it twice while we watched this movie. <laughs> anyway... Crixus and Jackson, Josh Hartnett, pile of burned cell phones. And I was just like, Samsung's. Oh, yeah, but those are like cutting edge back in the day, Paige. Oh, I know. Well, there's, I realized I was like, oh, there's no smartphones. So, like, that does change the game. But I did think that this was an interesting thing to do to take cell phones out of the equation entirely, right? Yeah. Because cell phones are a problem in horror films a lot of the time because they're ubiquitous. And so, anytime anyone gets in trouble, you're just like, well, why wouldn't you fucking call on your phone? And so to have them be like, yeah, everyone, there's been reports of stolen phones or whatever. So basically, like the the fact that the villain thought of that, I thought was actually really clever and a really good device. Yeah, and they, I at this point, it's Ben Foster who has to have done that, right? Like it has to have been the entertainment director from Carnivore Cruises, right? Right. Yes. Which means he picked everyone's pocket in town. Like their cell phones. In their pocket, right? Yeah, I mean... Or he robbed their houses at night. That could be... That's what I'm Maybe he just unplugged them from the chargers and stole them like reverse Santa Claus. Yes, but just with the Grinch music in the back, like... (laughs) I need an animated version of that scene with Ben Foster, like, yeah. Snaking across the floor, like... That's how that little girl became a vampire. She was Cindy Lou Who, where she was just like, Santa... Are you stealing daddy's cell phone? No, I love that little girl because they're like, do you know her? And they're like, no. They, no. they brought that little girl, They brought didn't they? that little girl. Uh-huh. She's a little Claudia. Yeah, it's like Claudia. Yeah, absolutely. Because she's like, I'm done playing with this one. I hated that line. I was Ooh. like, cut that child's head into pieces. <laughs> cut her head into pieces. <laughs> I realized what I was doing halfway through that and did not intend to. In this here snowy fort. <laughs> yeah. Decapitation. <laughs> No breathing. <laughs> I know there's in my notes. I have a, a Dracula one at one point. Yeah, and I was yeah. just like, I'm not going to be able to do this with my voice. Well, I'm not going to be able to do it today either because I am sick as a dog. All right, Mikey, you have to sing for everyone. You got it. Rob Zombie. Give me your best Rob Zombie. Go. Dracula. That's pretty good, actually. That's not bad. This video stars my wife. No shit. <laughs> 
Rob. So, burn phones. And they're like, I don't think this is a prank because if it was a prank, a kid would have been like, fuck you guys. Like, somebody would have claimed it. Oh, yeah. I do like how they're like talking through what it could be because it is like, that's like the weirdest thing. They think they're going to see all night. Like, yeah. And it does get progressively weirder very fast because this movie is sort of breakneck. Like, we're in it to win it. Yeah. But they're like, could it be kids pranking us? No, they'd leave a note like, fuck you. And then they're like, they go through a few other things and they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll just make note of it and see what else weird happens. Yeah, because they're like, stealing cell phones makes sense because you could sell them. Right. But stealing them to burn them doesn't make any sense. But this is also the scene where Crixus is like, hey, I brought my wife here on our first date. And Josh Hartnett's like, yeah, we all brought our first dates here. It's like the one thing to do in town. It does look beautiful, though, guys. It is like the prettiest last sunset most of this town is going to see. Like, it's so nice. It's a shame they missed it. Yeah. I do also think that the way that this movie structures, like, the escalation of weird and how early on Josh Hartnett asks to radio to other cities around them to see if they have any weirdness is great. Yeah. And what I think, like, and I don't know if the comics do this, but, like, I would love if the comics were like each of those cities gets their own story. I would be here for oh, yeah, that'd it. Be cool. Carnivore Cruises has a lot of ships, so they might have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one in Mexico, wild, because it's just daytime. <laughs> like, I don't know. They just burn instantly. But they drive back into town, and this is also where uh, Josh Hartnett uses his asthma inhaler, which, depending on how your asthma asthmas, cold made my asthma really bad because i'm not used to a cold climate right it doesn't snow where i live most of the time except for last year and so like when i went to europe at christmas last year i doubled up on my fancy asthma meds because i knew it would be tough to breathe in the cold welcome back to white people problems when i was traveling (laughs) through europe for christmas last year i needed extra special inhaler meds although Paige, i'll say this I've had similar struggles. Whenever I go from like a warm climate to like a cold climate quickly, like getting out of a car, leaving someone's mm-hmm. house, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I usually cough. Talking in front of a crowd. Wait, what? A cold climate. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I've ever died on stage, but largely because I don't do stand up, because I'm scared of it. <laughs> anyway, so Josh Hartnett and Snow Crixis make their way back into town. Should I rewatch Spartacus? Yeah, maybe. Said every woman ever while watching this movie. (laughs) I mean, Spartacus has got enough for the fellas. It's got stuff for everyone. I think everyone should watch it. I loved the first season. So Josh Hartnett and Snow Crixis make their way back into town. But as they hit the sign, they change the number of inhabitants of the town to reflect like everyone who's leaving town, which I thought was really funny. I thought that was really funny. I did love how the vampires go back to the sign later in the movie and just write zero six nine, haha, in <laughs> yeah. blood, and then then wipe away the six and they're just like 69. only nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! But we cut to the fire department where the fire marshal is inspecting the gear and the head fire dude who doesn't really come back to the movie at all. He's only in like this one scene. But he's like, yeah, so are you going to talk to, uh, is it Eben or Evan? It's Eben because he is the opposite of a vampire. So there wouldn't be a V in his name. It's E-B-E-N. It is a name. Sure. But it took me like halfway through the movie that I was like, Eben? Evan? Eben is Josh Hartnett's name? Yes, Eben. Yeah. 
It's just it's just Josh Hartnett. We're doing. Oh yeah, his name is Josh Hardy's in this movie. Yeah, and he fucking kills it this movie. He does great in this movie because I I at the time was not a huge Josh Hartnett person, and now as I'm older, I get it. He's got that deep voice, that really nice coat. Here for it. <laughs> You know? He's got a deep voice. He dresses appropriately for the climate. Why Why yeah. wouldn't I fuck him? Like, you why have the lowest you? bar, Paige. Look, I'm just saying, if he wasn't standing next to Crixus, he'd be the hottest guy in this town. I mean, honestly, that is true. Crixus is always the hottest guy on screen when he's on screen. In this movie, at least. I would say there are some dudes in Spartacus that give him a run for his money. Ooh, even with the weird ramen hair, Jai Courtney fucking brings it got those jt curls <laughs> <laughs> those early 2000s jt curls yep. anyway th- this is josh hartnett's ex-wife she is the farm fire marshal and so is it his ex-wife or are they just about to separate i think they're just separated yeah. i don't think there's paperwork involved i'm not sure right 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 but not that like i mean they're separating something clearly is wrong yeah we never get to the bottom of it i think it sort of implies that he didn't want to have kids and she did if they do bring that that up as one thing yeah that's a thing people end relationships for like that's a that's a big life decision you know like i get it like that's sad but i get it but also she's fire department he's police yeah they don't get along man they really don't which to me is interesting but I kind of get it. Yeah. I mean, you might be surprised to know that 911 is a joke in this town. Never forget, Paige. Yeah, never forget. Paige, why is 911 a joke in LA? I don't yeah, understand. I don't get it. Yeah, that's just awful. Is it because you guys are like, fuck New York, we the best coast yeah. on the West Coast? <laughs> Mr. President, a second crystal has hit the bookstore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so everyone who runs into this fire marshal lady was like, we were kind of hoping you would stick around and work things out with Josh Hartnett. And she's just like, look, I don't have any feathers. And he looked at Mrs. Butterworth for too long. That's just for my game. Because you haven't seen 4D and 4D He jerks off to Mrs. Butterworth. It's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to do that movie. It sounds It's nuts. a fucking wild movie. And it's got it's got one of our least favorite actresses in it, Shannon Sossaman. What happened to her? Did we figure that out last time? I think people realized she wasn't a great actress. Although she was not bad in one of the Conjuring ones that we watched. That's right. She was in, uh, it wasn't the Conjuring though. I think it was uh, in, no. No, it's Sinister. Yes, it is Sinister. I think it's Sinister too. And she is good in that. You're right. I just don't think she was great in A Knight's Tale. But love A Knight's Tale. And everyone's making crazy choices in that in that movie. So like her crazy choices of being not a great actress don't really stand <laughs> out all that much. I like that she's like, this is a choice. My actor secret is I'm terrible. If you're gonna tell me, I realize I realize we're bringing heavy romantic pod energy into this episode. And I apologize, but if you're That's gonna tell me that Nicolas Cage's choice to talk like he did and Peggy Sue got married wasn't a also like bad acting choice, you're insane. Oh, I know. <laughs> That man woke up every day and decided to be the worst actor he could on that movie. And he made it awesome. I don't know about awesome, (laughs) but he did make it to set every day. And that's a thing. He's either an evil genius or Francis Ford Coffla's nephew. You tell me which. It's both. (laughs) Anyway, so everyone wants her to get back together with Josh Hartnett. And she's like, hell no, I'm going to get to the airport, take the last flight out and go back to Anchorage. Y'all can go fuck yourselves. I mean, I think they are actually already separated because she is not living there. Yeah, she lives in Anchorage. Yeah, she comes to town to do this, like, check of equipment, which I get would probably be uh, her job's responsibility. So she's there to do that check and then get the fuck back to Anchorage. 
where it's still super cold and I wouldn't want to live there. Anyway, we get kind of like a montage of everyone either leaving town or prepping to stay. Yeah. And we get a shot of a whole team of dogs just going fucking nuts. Well, and then eventually getting stabbed. It's all off screen. You don't see it. They stabbed the shit out of Balto, and I don't like it. Paige, they kill every sled dog in town. I hate well, it. And it's, it's Ben Foster. It has to be Ben Foster, right? Yeah. Because he's still on the loose at this point. Yeah, because it's daytime. Yeah. It's like there's sun still. He hasn't been put into foster care yet. (laughs) (laughs) They do take him into conservatorship or receivership or whatever you call it, Mikey. What do you call it when you... uh... Tuesday. (laughs) Mikey is the M. Bison of mental health over Nashville. I'm so sorry. It's actually, there's no resources to like take somebody forever. And I don't know about the foster system, but like the Ben Foster system, you kill a dog, you go to jail. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. He's definitely in jail for like jail reasons. He's in the Ben Foster scare system. <laughs> no notes on that high level pun. <laughs> I loved it. I don't know if anyone will laugh at that, but I, I felt like it. that was great. Punning like six words in a row was like an accomplishment somewhere. And you know, I'm proud of myself. When you actually made that joke, I saw like an Xbox alert pop up that say you had an achievement. <laughs> yep. Seventy people <laughs> just unfollowed you at the same time. <laughs> Only 70? Uh, Anyway, yes. So somebody kills those dogs. It makes me super sad. And yes, I do think it is Ben Foster. Yeah. Um, But we cut to... It's not a tow truck. It's like a bulldozer. Like a killdozer. I loved it. It's got like a saw on the front. I think it's like a snow trench digger. I don't know what else to call well, that's, it. That's that one, which is odd. not the one he's driving now because that's oh. the one that gets stranded out there. So the fact that they have You're another right. one of those yeah. is wild. Because that's the one that hits Josh Hartnett's wife's car, right? Yeah. Is the one with the saw on the front. God, when it's driving through town and that guy is just being the most badass anyone in Alaska's ever badass, which is saying something because a lot of badass people live in Alaska. True. That, sh- that scene was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. And and that actor is again one of those those guys. Yeah. Where like he's first of all always playing a biker of some sort. Well, I think he was in um what show he was, was on that? Sons of Anarchy yes yeah, Sons of Anarchy yeah ever <laughs> but he was also on Batman Begins he's been in a bunch of movies too oh yeah Sons of Anarchy I was watching right around the same time I was watching Spartacus yeah Hi- highly recommend uh yeah Hamlet on motorcycles I am in Paige so fucking good uh but yeah a-, a whole bunch of and it's always this same character although this is I think the most badass I've seen him be yes which is pretty great yeah but Josh Hartnett cites him for having an oil leak And he says that he does it just to remind him that he's part of the community, which I do think is a fun arc for him later where he's like, this is my fucking town. Yeah. And I am going to blow up a building and bulldoze some vampires to save it. And you're just like, fuck yeah, sons of anarchy. (laughs) I I do love that the sheriff of this town uses like fines to like gaslight this guy into feeling like he's part of the town. Like he could also like, hey, man, you want to come over for dinner? But he's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to find you once a month or whatever for leaking oil, I guess. Is that what that was? Yeah. Maybe it's a fire hazard. Oh, I'm sure it's a fire hazard. That's straight up oil. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they use that to set literally the whole town on fire at the end. Well, they use the pipeline to set it. Uh, set, well, yeah. that's what I mean. The oil. Yeah. The, it's probably the same oil, right? No. <laughs> Those are two very different things. Oh, that's right. Because I, I, for whatever reason, thought he was transporting oil. He wasn't. He was bringing a lot of oil back home, which would be refined at that point. You're right. Well, no, it's his car is not working. Right. And he. Yeah. So it's coming from his engine. So we cut 
to Fire Marshal Lady, Josh Hartnett's ex. Yeah. She's trying to drive to the airport across what are terrifying roads. I would never. I could not. Paige, and they're driving pretty fast. Fast. I wouldn't chance this. <laughs> and I'm dumb behind the wheel. Please Look, don't History do this. History Channel isn't even filming this. You can slow down. I know, right? <laughs> or Discovery, wh- whichever one Ice Road Truckers is on. It's probably Discovery. That sounds like some new HBO kind of shit. Same, well, same company, so it doesn't. No, I know. They own HBO. That's why they, That's why it's now No, Max. no, I meant History Channel and Discovery oh, are is all it? the same. Yeah, yeah, I think if aliens were involved, it'd be more History Channel. Yeah, these days, it's it's like either aliens or Hitler, and then Discovery Channel is just like, you know, car crashes and moonshine and sharks. Or crabs. Anyway, so she's driving, trying to get to the airport, and out of fucking nowhere comes like an ice cutter. There's not even like a side street. I think that guy was just like ice cutting his way through the like just off roading. Yeah, because he like runs right into her, and like of course it fucks up the vehicle, and she can't drive. She's fine though. It doesn't hit like a crazy like it's not like a crazy bad wreck or anything. You know, she can get out and walk around. It's fine, but. The car is undrivable, so she has to call Josh Hartnett to help her. And Josh like answers the phone. He's like, "Yeah, what's up?" <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Hey, I'm in town. I need a ride to the airport." And he goes, "Wait, you're in town? You even want to come see me?" Like, it's he's so hurt by that. And I was like, "I get why he does what he does here." Is all I'm saying. I think it's wise. Me like too. now, he, here's the thing. I do think that because he sends Crixus out there and I do right. think Crixus like is the worst person in town to send to your wife who's leaving you to help save the day. <laughs> yeah, because I she's also like, think let's leave together. Crixus. Literally the hottest man <laughs> in the, the <laughs> closest uh, probably thousand miles to go save her. Yeah. Well, he's all bundled up. People don't know the full power of Crixus. <laughs> He is the kind of bundled up where when like you meet him at a bar, you're like, cool, yeah, I'll go back to your place. This is great. And then when he starts to take his clothes off, you're like, holy shit, fucking jackpot. I did not yeah. expect this. Good <laughs> Lord. Yes. Damn it. Yeah. I think he wanted the power of Crixus to compel her to leave. <laughs> Honestly, Mikey, he does, though, because he does send her. But Crixus can't get the job done well i think he deliberately dilly dallied so she would be late and miss her flight he does say that he has an ulterior motive sort of he's like i really want you and josh hartnett to get back together he like says that to his wife like he's like i want you to stay with me and peggy i think peggy yeah and the kids and you know that way you can you and josh can like find your way to at least having a conversation over the time you're here yeah, over the 30 days when you're stuck here. Yeah. So he kidnaps her. <laughs> it's a real 365 scenario. <laughs> yeah. What say you for? Uh, so <laughs> he comes to get her. Uh, meanwhile, Josh Hartnett goes to investigate the dead dogs. And he's like, this is really fucked up. I'll find out who did it. Because like the list of suspects, pretty small. <laughs> right. And Riz is like, who killed my dogs? Like him and his wife are like, you know, freaking out. I think justifiably so, right? Yeah. How are they get the, going to get the penicillin to those orphans? Right? Well, I, it, this is really smart, and I like that they do this. But at, at initially, I was like, why would they kill the dogs? Like, that makes no so sense. So that they can't escape. Exactly, because sled dogs. Yeah. And they kill all the sled dogs in town. Not all the dogs, just the sled dogs. Just the sled dogs, Although we yeah. don't see any other uh, any other dogs in town, which 
Also, like, I'd imagine a lot of pet ownership is like function over form in this type of the world just because, you know, the kind of people that live there and like the environment they live in. So that made sense to me, too, on some level. Well, and I think if you're a vampire, you don't want the dogs attacking you because a dog would. No, I think they're more worried about people escaping and telling people vampires exist what they talk about. I think it's an interesting concept. I think it is interesting, too, Mikey. They are hyper aware of who they are in the world, that they are predators and that if it gets out. It'll be a problem for them. They're like, we cannot let this go to like a four or five star Grand Theft Auto level. Yeah. We have to keep it at the one star level, like the local level. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. can collect all the skulls we want for our Predator skull collection. They do be ripping skulls in this movie a lot, Paige. I'm just saying, I understand how you get to Predator a few times here. They were like, man, that oil pipeline burst and everyone's head fell off. That What a weird accident <laughs> that was. What a weird explosion <laughs> that happened in town. I mean, yeah, I did think the vampires were going to have like their work cut out for them to like make it look like it was just an explosion slash fire. Well, I, f- I feel like they're like, no one will get to this fire. It'll burn itself out. And sure. by the time it does, everything's destroyed. And they're just going to be like, whoa, an explosion destroyed everything. And no one's going to look further into it. Yeah. But meanwhile, we go to the police station where Josh Hartnett's brother and grandmother are there. And his brother's playing what looks like either like Warhammer or Risk. Maybe Risk with the little plastic men. Yeah, I thought it was more Risk, although it could have been Warhammer. They're similar, but Warhammer figurines, I think, are a little bit bigger. Yeah, I don't know. But we don't ever really see the board. But, like, he is Josh Hartnett's brother, and that is their grandma. And the grandma is like, I don't like those kind of games, which I get. Like, I don't want to spend seven hours building up, like, the Austro-Hungaria empire and just build up and build up and build up and then slowly push Mikey to insanity. I'd rather, like, salvage our friendship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't do those games at all. No, thank you. I'm more of a strategy word game person where, I'm like, I'll fuck up some categories. Yeah, I can't spell. So, like, those kind of games are, like, kryptonite. Kryptonite. (laughs) Anyway, uh, (laughs) it's that song. Three Doors Down. Yeah, I know what song it was, Paige. I grew up in the 2000s. (laughs) When this movie Did you? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't know who fucking Ashanti was. Uh, We had to tell you who Bubba Sparks was. I was listening to different kinds of music at that point in my life than you were, clearly. Yeah, he didn't go to parties. Yeah, but you were the only one. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, Paige. Can you finish this sentence for me? It's getting hot in here. So take off all your clothes. All right. You're at least human then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, when you mentioned those songs and I like heard them, I was like, oh, I remember this song. Yeah. I just didn't remember the artist, you know, like. Anyway, so he goes back to the police station where his brother and grandmother are and is just like, hey, weird shit's going on. Can you call these other Port Hope and Wainwright and just see if weird shit's happening there? But just let them know that there's some weird stuff. But we cut to the airport. Where Crixus <laughs> digs Josh Hartnett's ex-wife and the airport's closed. And she's like, what am I going to do? And he's like, Peggy and I could use a third. I know. He's like, ever been in a threesome? I mean, if ever there was a time. Crix gonna give it to you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I went DMX with it, but that's where we got. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just happy you made a DMX reference. Yeah, stop waiting for you to make it on your own. Crick's going to deliver to you. Knock, knock. Open up the door. It's real. Anyway. Did you hear that song from Three Doors Down? You can. That's how loud you turn it up when you're playing (laughs) it at a party. That is true, though. I've never been to a party that was playing DMX quietly. (laughs) No. 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 Uh, One of my sorority sisters sent me that video of DMX on the slingshot ride. 
I don't know if either of you have seen it, I have but not. he spends a whole lot of time reassuring himself before it takes off. <laughs> I would never do the slingshot <laughs> ride, so I wouldn't do one either. I might. I would pass out halfway through. I love those videos. I think they're so funny. <laughs> it just looks like the most terrifying thing for someone who was thrown from the back of the truck when they were like 15 sure. to go through, so I'm never going to do that. I mean, I would guess that at 15, you were not thrown 70 feet in the air, but yeah, I could understand how that would not be oh, a good no, no, idea no, 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 for no. you. Not even 70 feet from the truck. I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly have no idea. We hit the thing going like 35 or 40. What if you could ride it with DMX? Like, what if DMX came back to life to ride the slingshot ride with you? And that's the only thing he wanted to do. If he gets to stay alive, I'd do it. Okay. Yeah. You would ride the slingshot ride to bring X back. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for your contribution to the community. I could suffer through it to bring DMX back. Anyway, so Crixus is like, we can have a threesome, but if you stay with me, you have to explain what's wrong with you and Josh Hartnett, and then we never tell him about the threesome wink. He doesn't say that. I'm just, this is me fanfictioning this movie. Anyway, so they head back to town. <laughs> Meanwhile, Josh Hartnett is headed out to, I can't, I don't really know what this place is. They go there a couple times, but it seems to be like the, the utility place. Yeah. The utility door. I think it's like a, uh, like a, a one-stop shop for like sewage, water, and like electricity. electricity. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But they go out there and he's like, yeah, we found a lot of weird shit in the trash over the years, but like helicopter parts, that's fucking weird. And it's this guy who's like, somebody has been like destroying, like took parts out of my helicopter. So that's another method of escape that they have like cut off oh, yeah. access to. Pretty much every vehicle that's not a car, which I did think was funny, uh, Ben Foster like destroys. So and, and that goes for like dog sleds, too. That's why he kills the dogs. You know, it made me kind of surprised that they didn't just flatten everybody's tires. Right? Which they could have done with their fingernail because it's like a claw, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think maybe it's because like we see later in the movie that they're able to just like grab cars like it's fucking nothing. Yeah, they're super strong, which is why I love when Josh Hartnett does what he does at the end of this movie. Yes, absolutely. So great. I mean, I do feel like as much as I want to see a fist fight with a vampire, no no notes, uh, I do feel like it almost felt like that belonged in a different movie, but then he punched through that guy's exactly. head and I was like, just kidding. Keep every second of this. I do love how when he like punches through not Anthony Bourdain's vampire face, all of the other vampires are like, fuck, I didn't know we could do that. Did you guys? We got to leave. Why haven't we been punching through faces this whole fucking time? We just have to get back on the carnivore cruises Demeter and get out of well, here. Y'all didn't know this, but he's Josh Hard Hit. Hell yeah. His vampire power is punching through heads. Love it. Some people have telepathy. He gets into your mind a different way. <laughs> Hell yeah. The old fashioned way. Paige, can I just say this? I saw on your face when you came up with that joke, and it was after you set up the punchline. And like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so proud of you for that quick thinking. Like, I saw you after you said the setup, figure out the punchline. And I was like, well done, Paige. That's so fucking fast. That's, that's tough. You got to start the I joke know. and be like, I gotta, I'm going to figure out where this ends halfway through the sentence. That right there is an exercise in trust as an improv comic. Like that is, you just trust yourself. Except I'm the only other person on this improv team. Well, that's what I mean. Like you're just improv. Yeah. I have to zip zap zap with myself. Hell yeah. Anyway. So we cut to the power station and the power goes out and something streaks by in the night. The guy running the power station comes outside to like check on it. And this, I think, is one of the most effective vampire scares yeah. of just like a shadow streaking by in the night. Yeah. 
and you just don't even know what it is. It's too fast. I was just like, ooh, spookies. Uh, but he gets like immediately got. It is amazing how quickly it starts popping off in this town. Like we're probably 15 minutes into this movie. Right. Because it is like the first night of the 30, like 85% of the town is dead yeah. by the end of the first night. I remember yeah. th- there is that shot. It's like a, it's probably a helicopter shot for 2007, but it would be what a drone shot is now mm-hmm. over the town. And it's like a long shot with like a lot yeah. of carnage going on. The battle kind of, there's like guns going off. And-, and vampires like attacking people. It's such a cool shot. It's a little further into the movie, but yeah, yeah. It's, that's, they do a couple of them. It's, it's really so nice. Cool. Here's what I don't get about that is that like, they're there for 30 days. Like, do they not need to space out the meals or whatever? Like, I didn't know. Mikey, I think they're actually saving people for that purpose because that girl at the end that has like the bloody face, she's not turned. Yeah, she's not turned. So they have like a stockpile of food that that is more or less people, I think, in this movie. Yeah. Anyway, we cut to a local bar slash diner and it's Ben Foster. He's trying to order liquor and they're like, yeah, no booze this month which honestly good rule and he's like fine then i'll take a bowl of raw hamburger and they're like you can have meat one way or two ways in this town frozen or burned yeah which if i was ben foster and didn't want to go to jail forever i'd just be like cool give it to me frozen and i'll play the waiting game yeah yeah, i'll just look at (laughs) it (laughs) i'll just sit at the booth for four (laughs) hours until i can eat He's a very weird patron. Oh, yeah. I thought it was super weird when she was like, what would you like to drink? And he goes, do you have any O positive? Ooh, bring the true blood into it. Hell yeah. Oprah's new drink. <laughs> She's more of an adrenochrome lady. <laughs> so Josh Hartnett shows up and is just like, hey, creepy dude, you're coming with me. Yeah. And he tries to fight him. But who should be there but the fire marshal with a gun? It's like, we're all going downtown. Uh, because he looks up at her, he's like, oh, so I guess you uh, missed your flight, so you're going to be here a while. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, they go back to the police station, and they put him in a holding cell, and they're like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And he's just being creepy. Like, Ben Foster is being creepy creeps, where he's just like, they're coming, they're coming. He's so good at it, though. Like, he's just trying to get under their skin, and- Josh Hartnett's brother does throw, I think, like, like a risk piece over at him. Well, that's a lot later, but yeah. Yeah, but I think he's just trying to like fuck with them, right? Yes. Yeah, because at this point, uh, Josh Hartnett gets a call that there are pipeline workers that, or uh, I'm sorry, he he gets a call to go check out some additional vandalism. So he leaves. Yeah. We cut to pipeline workers where it's two guys and a girl and they're just like, um, are we going to share? <laughs> and then one just gets yoinked. And the other one gets taken. And it's one of those things where it's like, and they drop one of the dead ones right in front of her. And I'm like, bitch, run. It's like, so scary, though. Like, she was paralyzed in fear. And I give, well, I get it. She escapes because she's she one of the ones to, yeah. that's around till almost the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we cut back to Josh Hartnett, who's just like, so you don't work at the refinery. You didn't fly in because they would have seen you at the airport. Right. Definitely not for around here. How'd you fucking get here? No one's coming for a month like we got time to figure this out and ben foster's not really talking other than saying creepy shit i mean but in truth he was like i don't know guiding people up a rock climbing wall two months ago on the demeter and now he's like been familiarized and now he's like helping vampires his life is not going the way he thought it should he was teaching aquarobics on the carnivore imagery cruise or whatever look 
he does not have dental health care. So his thought was, if I get to become a vampire, the new teeth will replace the bad teeth. Like rows of shark teeth. Uh-huh. I'll save the $7,000. Guys, American health care is so bad that to get a dental plan, you have to become a vampire. Oof. And we've been making fun of England this whole time. <laughs> well, we can still make fun of England. Don't worry about that. Anyway, so uh, his younger brother has pot in his desk. And this is where we do the establishing of like, oh, grandma has cancer and I didn't tell you, but we've been growing pot for her. Yeah. Um, so she has a greenhouse at home. He's 15 and knows how to grow pot for his grandma. Uh, Todd, I don't know how things work in Tennessee, but there's a hell of a lot of 15 year olds in California probably actively growing pot. I mean, I was very much in a cult when I was 15. So like, that's not what I was doing. But I get that my lived experience is not normal. Especially with the internet now. Yeah. And we have just stores here where you could just buy hydroponic supplies. So like, well, it's legal there. it'd be so easy. Well, it is. But even before it was legal, we had hydroponic stores because you can grow a ton of things hydroponically. Sure. Yeah. So you could just like walk in and get the lamps and shit. Anyway. So this is where they find out that the computer's down and the power goes out and the emergency light goes on. So now yeah. he's like, okay, I got to go check out power guy. So he goes to check on Gus. And as he leaves, Ben Foster's like, they're coming. And this time they're going to take me with them because he's their familiar. He's their Renfield, basically. Yeah. So at Gus's, Gus is fucked up and super dead. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Well, his head's on a spike. Yeah. Like Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. Dude's donezo. Uh, so Josh Hartnett, as he drives back through town, is just on the radio, just like, stay inside, lock your doors. If you have yeah. a generator, just go home or go to the diet, just like stay the fuck inside and gunshots ring out. Yeah. And this is where Crixus disappears for like three quarters of this movie. So we cut to uh, Riz's house where he's super sad about the dogs. He and his wife are talking about it. And all of a sudden, a body comes flying through their fucking window and it just stands up because it's a vampire that's now in their house. So scary. Faster and stronger than them. Oh, yeah. So fucking scary. It's such a great scare. If someone Superman through my window, I would be very concerned. Well, what about Kool-Aid man? Oh, yeah. That would have been hilarious <laughs> if he stood up and yelled that. The only difference between the Kool-Aid man and this vampire is that the Kool-Aid man was full of red stuff before he came through the window. Good night. Exactly, Mikey. <laughs> exactly. Or I feel like the Kool-Aid man might have thrown the guy through the window because he's a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> this is Mikey from Har Virgin. I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey from Harm Virgin here. <laughs> Talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh -huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. <laughs> Cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor. They ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? Keto? Ket ket <laughs> Mikey, you said it wrong so many times. I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. It's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. 
But anyway, Factor's amazing. So just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn, 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 to get 50% off. Uh, I do like that Riz, who's the guy, who's like the the husband of the scene, is like, I ain't nothing to fuck with. I'm going to grab my shotgun and yeah. like goes out there after his wife, who's getting, I think, taken under the house, right? Because they're like on yeah, little yeah, yeah. stilts that you can get under. Yes. At this point, Paige, Natalie looked over at me and said, oh, if this happened to me, you would just leave, right? And I was like, yes, absolutely, I would run. If a vampire came through a window and took my wife. I, I mean, I'd run out there till I was like, oh, that thing's way stronger than me. Exactly. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. Love you, honey. Exactly. Like, and I said this, though, like if it got me, I would be so mad if while I'm being ripped apart, I saw you also get ripped apart because you were trying to save me. Yes. You better run in that situation. Run away. Yes. Save yourself, please. Yeah. This selfish woman begged him to save her. <laughs> oh, their marriage, obviously not great. Let <laughs> When we get to Crixus's family, we'll talk about it because Josh Hartnett reacts in the opposite way I would. Oh, yeah, because you'd be like, oh, you family annihilated for me? <laughs> yeah, I think you're biased no, a little no, bit. No, yeah. I, I, if I'm the family, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want my throat to get ripped out by a mouth that looks like an anglerfish. Please shoot me. <laughs> I absolutely, like, I understood how he got there. I, I also, we don't know because we didn't see it happen on screen. I think they also probably talked through it. I think so, too. Yes. So, But we don't see it, so we don't know for sure. But, but yeah. But based upon the way they're laying, I, I think they made the choice to go out that way. And he was going to kill himself. Like, he, during this time, we don't see Crixie on screen he is living out his very own like the mist in this movie yes that's what i was like this is a very thomas jane moment for yes. him we do see him at one point where we know he's alive we just don't know what's happened to him right but anyway so yeah she gets dragged away and he gets kind of dragged to the point where you think they both die except that he shows up later anyway so but he's crixus so of course no 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 not crixus the riz oh that's right but riz does get turned here though so back at the police station this is where he throws the little risk figurine and realizes that he might have just given something Ben Foster to pick a lock with, which he couldn't. Right. He was just messing with him. But but it does get him to come over and walk towards it. Yeah. And so he like starts to like grab him and choke him until Hartnett comes in and shoots him in the shoulder. Yes. Uh, and then cuffs him to the bars because at this point, Josh Hartnett is now seen a couple people dead. Yeah. He knows bad shit's going down. And he knows it's somehow related to this guy. So he's just like, what the fuck is going on? What did they do to Gus? Who the fuck are they? What is happening? And at this point, Ben Foster starts foaming at the mouth, which is wild. And I was like, rabies. rabies or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he does, I think, assume correctly that Ben Foster is in on it with the, he doesn't know they're vampires. Right. But the murderers at this point. Right. Uh, and so he's like, okay, I got to go make sure everyone's safe. Uh, let's wait till the power is back before we call the hospital. Yeah. He'll, he can sit till then because as far as I'm concerned, he is a co-conspirator, which is not a great way to treat your prisoners, but this is extenuating circumstances anyway. Yeah. So uh, he basically says, Billy and I will work our way to the pipeline. And we do never, we don't really ever see him radio Billy, who's Crixus. We just assume that Crixus is off doing his own thing because this shit falls apart immediately. Yeah. And Fire Marshal decides to go with him. But this scene is where as they're driving through town, you get that overhead of just like melee. It's such a good shot. Yeah. 
it's just all gone to shit it's yeah, immediately. Really the town's on fire. People are screaming. They go back to the police station uh, because a guy like jumps on their car. Dude, it's insane because they're like yes. going pretty fast down the street. And this guy runs to the car and jumps on it while they're going like it's not super fast, but, like 30 miles an hour, like faster than you can sprint, like faster than anybody can sprint. Right. And right. then jumping from that sprinting position on top of the car. Like right. clearly it's like supernatural or animal or mineral vegetable. It's something. Yeah. Modern major general. And so they go back to the police station and there's just blood everywhere. So it would seem that grandma and brother are dead for all we know right now. Yes. But Ben Foster is still there and he's just like, they didn't take me. Yeah, and he is so sad in this scene. He is mm -hmm. doing such a good job of conveying like his, he is utterly crushed that they are not going to turn him. Right. You know? Yeah. That's why like Ben Foster's great at being an emotional bad guy. Oh, like yeah. 310 to Yuma is, he's so good in that. Here's the thing about temporary attachment in the Ben Foster scare system is that you just don't know if, when you're going to find your long-term home. And that's right. like a lot of emotional stuff going on for him. Yeah, he does. It's a lot of back and forth, a lot of rubber banding back in and out of Ben Foster scare. I get it. So we cut to, this is kind of the first time we see the vampires talking to each other. Yeah. In their own language. and But this is where the like head vampire guy is like, we got to separate the heads from the bodies. Don't turn anybody. And then he just says, we should have come here years ago. Basically, like, this is a blast. We're having a bloody good time. Yeah, and they so. absolutely are. Because, like, nothing can hurt them at this point. So, we cut to the police station. Or, no, not the police station. Uh, The, like... I think it's one of the diners where he's had everyone collect. And this is now kind of like our core group of people. Yeah. And they're like, we don't know what they are. We shoot them and they keep coming. What, is it PCP? What is it? Uh, and they're kind of doing accounting of like who all is dead. Yeah. But there's gunshots outside. Some people are like, do we just run out there and die? What are we doing? But they're fucking up the whole town. And they decide that they're going to go to the attic of one of the houses on the street because it's got a real discreet door yeah. up into the attic and a pull down ladder so they could kind of like nail and trap themselves inside. Which it is very discreet. Like I, I definitely yeah. understand how they thought that they could use this and hold out the, for 30 days because they pretty much do. They are there for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so the main group goes, Josh Hartnett and Fire Marshal are going to do kind of like a diversion. So they take their car. Yeah. But this is where the gra vampires grab it and try to pull them out of the car. And who should show up but Snowplow Man. So they make it to that house. They break in. Dude, and the snowplow, like, I'm not sure if it does, like, rip off the door. I think it does because they're, like, yeah. upside down in their car. Yes. And the vampire's trying to pull them out of it to, like, devour them. And he just, like, runs over them trying to pull, I think it's Josh Hartnett's side out. Yeah. Uh, and then the other vampires run away. But, like, it's awesome. It was so cool. Yeah. Mr. Plow, that's his name. That name again is, is Mr. Mr. Plow. Plow. I'm pretty sure we did that joke in episode 33. Oh, I feel like we do that joke every time there's a snow plow. Yeah, there and we should. Never gets old. So they all end up in the attic. They kind of close it off. And again, they're like, okay, we've got walkie-talkies that works. There's gunshots outside. But we're just going to kind of stay in here. 
and this is where the first time we kind of bring up like, well, what about Billy and Peggy? Uh, and we're like, we can't. Crixus is on his own and we trust <laughs> that he can handle it. Uh, right? But yeah. this is where we establish that grandma's dead. And, and the kid yeah. is like, I watched them feed on her like vampires. And they're like, vampires don't exist. And he's like, I'm just saying they don't die and like they right. drank her blood. So, you know, but so they decide that they're going to stay up in this attic for a while and hole up there. And Josh Hartnett's like, we've got two advantages. We know this town and we know the cold. We live here for a reason because nobody else can. Yeah, they're just on like summer vacation or winter vacation, I'd imagine. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the police station, the vampires come for Ben Foster and they're like, we'll take care of you. And they're like, fucking idiot. He believes us when he says we're going to take care of him. And then they just snap his neck and pull his head off. Yeah, they snatch that <laughs> dome, man. They kill him yeah. and like make sure he won't turn. Yep. Meanwhile, in the attic, Josh Hartnett and his ex-wife start to talk. This is where we get the conversation about kids. Yeah. Um, and the older gentleman with them wakes up. This is where we find out that he has some sort of memory disorder. Some tell, like Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And and the diner lady is there as well. Yeah, it's like the it's the people they're like holding up in the attic with, you know? But they start to see out the windows of the attic that the vampires are ransacking all the houses around them. Yeah. And so they're like, well, if we stay here, they'll find us. Mm -hmm. Or we could make a run for it. And the one guy's like, the strongest survive. And they're like, hey, idiot. First of all, that means a bunch of these people get eight. And secondly, you're probably going to get it too. Like, like you are probably not going to make it. Like none of us are going to make it. If we fight, we all die. But maybe together we can work through this. And they kind of start to lay out their plan where yeah. they're like, we'll stay here as long as we can. Then we'll try to like once a blizzard sets in and we have some cover. Yeah. Once once there's a whiteout, which is like where you can't right. see very far in front of your face because they know how to get through their hometown in a whiteout, whereas the vampires don't. Right. So when it's blizzarding like that, they can sort of move freely, although it is very difficult for them. Right. But they know how to get around, you know? Yeah. Which it's a great idea. It really is. It really is. But that's when they're going to go to the store yeah. and then make their way to the utilidor, which they can kind of barricade and also has a bunch of supplies yeah and it's also got the thing that um jamie lee curtis crunched up J uh, michael in yeah like a trash compactor yeah 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 mm -hmm. a sawtooth kind of thing whatever those a things giant are giant shredder yeah, yeah yeah they're awesome though yeah so day seven so they've been there for a week they've all been in that attic for a week yeah brutal oh think about the popes guys you haven't considered the smell. I know. Well, and they, they are going downstairs to go to the bathroom, but they're not flushing. Right. That's what I meant. Think about the poops. Yeah. Like it would it would be above the waterline, guys. It would be gross. But yeah. I mean, if the heat's off. Okay, you Frozen might be on to something. smell less. Yeah. yeah. Mikey, I have a terrible, horrible question for you that you might actually be able to answer. Oh, no. Sure. It's, it's super cold and people are exposed to the elements. Does that hinder decomposition to the point where the bodies wouldn't really smell? Yeah. So if you're going to find a body, winter is the time to do it. Okay. Because you're going to stumble on it, not smell it. Well, and yeah. then if it's below freezing, the bacteria can't grow, right? Right. So, like, you, you don't have the decomp. You don't have all that stuff. But, like, same thing with poops. Like, if you poop outside, it'll freeze in Alaska, I think. I'm not an expert, but, like. But let's go to Alaska and poop outside and see what happens, Mikey. Yeah. Let's try it. But, let's try but it. frozen things don't smell as much as hot things. And, like, that's science. You know what? You said that like it wasn't, but it is science. It is science. Anyway, 
So they hear someone crying outside and it's this woman walking down the street screaming for help. And at first they're like, how do we get her in here before they notice her? And the fire marshal's like, no, look at the rooftops behind her. They're following her. She is bait. It is so well done. Yeah. Like they are literally in every shot, but way in the distance on these roofs. Yeah. You just, just kind of have to pick her. them out in the background. Yeah. But you know how fast they can move, how strong they are. Like they could close that distance yeah. so fast. So it is a, it's yeah. such a good trap. So fast, incredibly strong. Say it. Vampire. Vampire. I could throw that kid over that mountain. <laughs> Oh, football over the mountains. Yeah. Anyway, so the bait girl gets to the end of the road and she's like, I tried. There isn't anybody left. Please let me go. And they're like, yeah, no. Uh, and so they basically are just immediately start beating the crap out of her and killing her. Yeah. But this is where because Josh Hartnett's trying to like, can we save her? What can we do? And across the way, he sees Crixus underneath one of the buildings kind of scoping it out. Yeah. And at this point, I think Crixus kills his family after this. Me too. I think they lasted a week and then he saw what happened to this girl and was like, not my girls. I think he described it to his wife. Yes. And then they made that decision together as a family. Yeah. Yep. I think so, too. I mean, yeah. I, and that is like that is such a dark story. Yeah. But but. I understand why he did it or why they, yeah. I think, did it. We don't actually see it happen, so I don't know for sure. But that's like, that's the vibe I thought the movie was putting out to, Paige. Yeah, but this is where Josh Hartnett's going to go out and then one of the other guys is, is going to go and he's like, I can kill anything. I can kill these things. And it's the guy who was originally going to make a run for it. And they're like, no, we need you here. Like, please yeah, come inside. But while Josh Hartnett is out there, this is where he w runs into Riz. And yeah, this is where Riz is turned. Riz is clearly turning. Yeah, because he went under the house where his wife was and got bit, but they left him there. Yeah. So they didn't snatch his head off. Right. And so he turned. He turned. And so Josh Hartnett literally has to fight him because he's trying to bite him and takes an axe to his head and realizes that that's how you can kill them. There are so many shots of him taking the axe to the neck that we see all of. Yeah. And they all look so realistic, man. Yeah. It's so like, that is one of the hardest parts of the movie to watch for me. I think this is one of those movies where there is a lot of CGI, but the, the, the lighting in such a way that it makes it like age really well. I think it's a mix of practical. I think and it CGI, is a mix too. And I think yeah. it's a really, a, a really thoughtful mix because you're right. It, there was not a single effect in this movie, aside from maybe Crixus's head, but there's only a few ways to do that. Yeah. But like pretty much all of the effects in this movie, I, they hold up. You could do the same movie today and it would look the same. Absolutely. Pretty yeah. much. So anyway, meanwhile, the old man and his son, the old man gets up and he's like, I'm just going to walk to the next town. They're like, that's 80 miles away. And so he and his son end up outside, which unfortunately means that now the vampires know there's people in that house. Uh, and those two guys get got like immediately. Okay. Yeah, I want to. I think I would have let my dad die. Um, it would have been very difficult, but I feel like that might have been one where I might have uh, eased them into that great slumber, so they would not have had to have gotten gotten killed by vampires. Yeah, I honestly do think we see his dad at the end too as a vampire. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, but there was like an older man vampire at one point. Like I would have wanted to do anything to avoid my dad having to go through that, but I also don't think I could have killed my dad. So, Mikey, I think I probably would have just like. 
let him go. It's terrible. But like, I mean, if you really love your dad, you got to let him go either for cigarettes or out to vampires or out right. to the next town. And if he comes if, back, then he's truly your dad. Yeah, he really loves you too. Exactly. Yeah. We establish that in a few of the places there they are, there's medical supplies and supplies and syringes. So I feel like there would have been a not completely painless, but like slightly easier way to potentially, uh, you know, help someone avoid pain. Yeah. Uh, with a mercy killing. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I like the the one good thing about it is that I feel like at least in his dad's state, I think he's avoiding some of the fear and anxiousness that everyone else deals with. Because every time he wakes up, he's like, why are we in this attic? Yeah. <laughs> so he is living the life is beautiful version of 30 days of night is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 It is sad, though, because he's like, where's my wife? Or he mentions his wife by name and his son has to be like, well, she died. It's she died a long it's time. sad. And those that happens, man. Like that is the sad reality of all Alzheimer's, man. It is, and it would be very, very difficult to keep someone like that safe in a scenario like this, which I think is why they include the character in the story to be like, you know, you don't get to pick when the vampire apocalypse happens. (laughs) So like, exactly. And this is your family. These are people you love. You would honestly want to try and keep them safe as much as you can. But there are limits to what you can do. Uh, But yeah, so they both end up outside. They done. But because there's a blizzard, they dig through the blizzard to go. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. But that's, is this where you had it, though? This is where I had nice. it, yeah. yeah. Uh, because I was like, it's actual Dracula. Uh, they get to the general store. Yeah. And this is where we get the uh, Oreo product placement. <laughs> and Which we just had on a holiday in handcuffs. I don't know if you guys remember that. I do. I almost bought fudge-covered Oreos yesterday. Anyway, they're all in the general store. Getting their respective stuff because he like gives them direction like you get flashlights, you get. Yeah, you get batteries, you get canned foods, you get stuff we can survive on. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you get first aid and then they all sort of spread up or spread out. And mm-hmm. one group. They hear squelching. The little girl. Yeah, they hear that squelching. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And which is her eating. And this is where she says, I'm done playing this with this one. Want to play with me now? And she just immediately and they like restrain her it takes like three or four people yeah because she's got that vampire strength even though she's She's a little kid right mutant vampire human strength man i love that it's the 15 year old little brother of uh josh hartnett that comes in and like hacks her with the axe yeah three times to take her head off well and and everyone's like hey you did the right thing that that you kept everyone safe that's great and he's just like she was a kid like he is broken (laughs) over it it's so brutal oh i mean yeah he says she was just a girl which is true she was at one point just a girl but now she is a killing machine trying to kill you right you have to do this i realize that that would be difficult to do i think for everyone that isn't mikey i think if mikey was in this situation and he had an axe he'd be like fuck Finally, thank you. Let's go. Oh no, vampire child, it's on site. Vampire kids are not kids. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I would I would ask that little girl though, because like Hell yeah. if it's between a demon child and me, it's me. <laughs> All day. Me. I'm the <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me. Well, obviously she had a better experience in the Ben Foster scare system than Ben Foster did. Oh yeah, because she finally got turned. She found her, her forever home with uh, you know. The dude who kind of looks like Mr. Big from Sex in the City and then the uh, the woman with the dress on. 
Anthony Vamp Dane, you mean? Anthony Gordain. Hell yes. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff. Where did they port to before to get all the suits? Yeah, where did they get the Brooks Brothers suits for the riot? I don't know, Mikey. I don't know. Oh, I have to imagine that they destroyed a men's warehouse on their way over. (laughs) They are some really well-dressed vamps. Like, they just are. They look like they were dressed for a night out in Eastern Europe. A night out with the mob. Yes. Like, they do look like the Russian mob. Yes. That's like... I mean, at one point when they were talking, I was like, is that Russian? It sounds more guttural and, like, creature-y. It's its own thing. It's creature-y. Yeah. I... I imagine that this uh, ascribes to the vampire belief that vampires predate humans to a degree. Oh, yeah, I could see that. You know, we had Homo sapien, Neanderthal, and vampire. And uh, we fucked and killed Neanderthals out of existence, and the vampires just did. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there are, so there's a couple different vampire stories. True Blood does this, but I've also heard it from a couple other places where the apocryphal gospel of Lilith becomes a vampire origin story. Nice. So that, I've heard that. But also some people are like, they're Nephilim or whatever. So there's like weird religious based ones. But then there's also this where it's just like they're a predator. So like survival of the fittest, they could have been, maybe they're new, maybe they're old, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, they have to try and get to the Utilidor. Uh, But first they're going to try and get to Josh Hartnett's mom's house to get her UV lights. Yes. To see if that can kind of at least buy them time. Yeah, they're looking for any weapon that would actually hurt them because largely small caliber firearms like pistols and stuff don't. We do see the we a do see sons of anarchy explode a few <laughs> vampire <laughs> domes with that shotgun. So like the the shotgun can kill them, which I also like because it well, isn't if just you a stake them, through a heart. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it kills them. So like if you just like kaboom their brains kind of like zombies yes exactly i liked it but yeah so josh hartnett tries to make his way he has the diversion so they can move he gets to the generator yeah they get to the police station but he is like making a lot of noise so the vampires are clearly they're they're clearly chasing him right and he does get that generator going and then like waits by the uv lights i think when it like it's cutting back and forth we don't see it because it's off screen I think he like pockets a bunch of that weed. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But also the other crew that's like making their way there, they still get ambushed. They still have to kill one or two of them. Yeah. And it's that younger brother who has to like literally axe people to death to keep everyone safe. But he does get to the lights and the generators on and he pops that light on and it does burn that one vampire. Yeah, this is the one that's dressed like she's going clubbing. She's wearing like a pretty short ish dress. And I just felt bad for her because she spent all day in makeup to look the way she does. And now she's laying on freezing cold snow. I bet she had tights or a bodysuit or something. I hope so. I feel bad for her vampire relationship. Yeah, because she was clearly with the head guy and then he kills her. Yeah, because it's like, girl, you're ugly now. Yeah, he's like, "Um, you went a little bit too long at that tanning salon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, he what he says to her is. If it can be broken, it must be broken, which is basically like you were too weak, which is a wild thing to say to people in this situation. It's crazy. Uh, But he basically walkie talk, Josh Hartnett walkie talkies back and he's like, it does work. So light does hurt them. Yeah. But they're going to turn the power off and then we're fucked. And they like immediately do like they turn the power off almost immediately. And but as they do that, Sons of Anarchy is just like, that's it. It's my time! And just like killdozers <laughs> through the street. He literally says as he's going out, more calmly, but he's like, 
Yeah. No, it's my turn. It's my turn to go. Yeah. And then when he left, I thought he was just going to like let himself get killed. Nah. Because he was like, I can't live here like this. But no, he takes out the most vampires. Like he takes yeah. out like half a dozen vampires. Yeah. Josh yeah. Hartnett takes out the one leader, and they all leave because of that. So like, kudos to him. This guy goes with the more mass appeal approach. He's like, I'm going to kill as many as possible before they get me, and I love it. Yeah. I think he was planning to do this to the town anyway. It's just the vampires. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of evidence for that that, that supports it. But I do love that you watch him, like, because it's got, it's like an ice cutter. So it's got like a giant chainsaw on the front of it. And he's just like, through a couple vampires oh, or yeah. like flipping them up off the windshield so that they fall on it and get chopped in half. It looks awesome. But he is like too fast, too furiousing this thing through town. He's like drifting. He's cutting, like, he literally shoots one on that's on the thing. He shoots them onto the blade and they get yep. cut in half and fall. I was like, what is happening? This is amazing. And he says, fuck off as he does it. And I was just like, go, sons of anarchy, go. Dude, <laughs> like, when he slides into town, opens the door, blows a vampire's head off and then starts driving. I was like, that's how you come into town. Like if you come into town like that, everyone knows you're there. Well, and the what we do find is the whole back of his like truck thing is full of bear traps. Yeah. So like there's vampires getting snapped in bear traps and then dragged behind his <laughs> it's car. Awesome. I was just like, it's so great. Fuck yes. I really do love like these last action-y montages. Like they're really great and the effects are really great. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he as he's driving, he's like, Welcome to fucking Barrow. And you're just like, Yeah. yeah. Man. He drives into one of the buildings in town. He gets out with a box of flares. He lights one. And dynamite, Paige. He only has two and flares. And dynamite. The rest of that box is dynamite. Is dynamite. And he says, you ain't gonna eat me. Tosses the flare. The dynamite explodes. The building explodes. So he takes out five, six vampires with that explosion. At Just least. like, ba-boom. Yeah, yeah, at least. And, and then it, it blows him out him of the building. The building. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I thought that that shit was so funny because he's he's dead for all intents and purposes. Oh, yeah. But like, he's oh, yeah. not quite dead. You know, he's like crawling right. out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and this is where the head vampire is just like, so you killed yourself to kill a few of us, idiot, and stomps on his head, dude. Which is a bummer. But also, I was just like, that guy went out a fucking hero. Yeah. Honestly, if I was that vampire head general guy or whatever he is and someone did that I'd be like oh, we gotta get this guy on the team inventive holy shit this guy is like a murder savant I thought for sure when Josh Hartnett comes out at the end and he's like the one who fights so like do you want a spot on the team like we'd right? really love to have you <laughs> oh I didn't realize you could punch through a face so like now you're Oof. our leader yeah 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 <laughs> Rufio Rufio exactly. Rufio Oh, uh, we cut to the police station where they're like, well, now there's only six of us because he's dead. Yeah. And uh, the guy who ran the Utilidor is like, only five. Yeah. I never had the heart to tell you guys, but my wife and kids have been dead for years. They were hit by a drunk driver. It was devastating. And it's been really hard to live after. But I was I did not take my my own life. Uh, but now I am clearly turning. I I got bit. I can smell the thirst. Please do this for me so I don't become one of them. I love that he is like, I have gone through so much tragedy, but have been unable to, to take my own life, which I get, you know, um, but he sure. badly, he is like looking forward to being reunited with his wife and daughter again. 
Yes. And I love that. Whether you believe that kind of stuff or not, I love that for him. And sure. like his reason for not wanting to turn mainly is because I can't live forever. I have to get back to them. Yeah. And I thought that that was so sweet and sad. And he's like, I don't know this actor, but he's crushing that delivery of like, oh yeah. He's like missing his family. You see it on his face, even though that was years ago. He's just using that as the reason why he can't live forever. I was like, I love this scene. I don't want to live forever. That no, sounds I get terrible. That, Paige. Yeah, I think it's a really cool like you know di- like cuts like that guy hasn't spoke much most of the movie. Then, right, like, it cuts this character down to its core of like, hey, my backstory is my family died in a drunk driver crash. I came to terms with it, knowing that I would see them when I'm gone. Yes, right. I need to go. Like, I don't want to not go. Like, that's that. The only thing I'm living for is to live a good life till I get there. And, yeah, like, this has been taken away from me. I want. Yeah, it, it's a really yeah. powerful, cool moment. Yeah, and and everyone's like, no, and then Josh Hartnett's like. He told us what he wanted. And I was just like, that is brutal. But yes, Josh, Hart- Josh Hartnett, he did. Yeah. Uh, and so he like takes him into an office and I assume just decapitates him with the axe. Just like you hear it. It takes two swings. You hear one swing. You hear a second swing and then a thud. Yeah. Which is like, guys, come on. Sharpen these axes. What are you doing? I mean, he's your friend. Bones. They've also done like four heads with that axe already. So like, you know, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They doled it up on that little girl. They had to cut her head off in the store. (laughs) Uh, I do kind of like that. What we really focus on in this scene is everyone else's reactions of like the reality of what's happening. Yeah. Uh, But Josh Hartnett comes back out uh, and we cut to day 27 and they see lights in a window across the street. So they flash their lights. It's Morse code. And it's Crixus. He's alive. Yeah. And they get over there, but his whole family is dead. They're placed under the sheet and shot through the sheet, which I think leads me to believe that that it was a conversation they had at least with his wife. Yeah. And and either like cold medicine put them to bed or whatever to try and make it as painless as possible. It is done with this is going to sound insane it is done with care you got to remember this is like an extreme situation like yeah he clearly didn't want to hurt them right he wanted to save them from something so i like the way that they show you the way they die from something that would hurt worse yeah Yeah. exactly yeah but the gun jammed yeah so he's been alone ever since it happened and so he's like i shouldn't have signaled you i'm just tired of being alone and you're like oh and but he's gone full crazy at this point I mean, he's been in this house with his dead family probably for like two weeks at this point, right? Yeah. And that doesn't even count the like decade he spent fighting people in the Coliseum. So like, right? he's messed Xena up. Warrior Princess was not good to him. Ooh, I, I have not watched all of Xena Warrior Princess. Maybe I should. Oh, I forgot he was actually in that. But Lucy Lawless is in Spartacus yes. too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they've like been friends for years, I think is, is That's awesome. what's going on. But yeah. anyway. Either way, they both hate Kevin Sorbo, and I love that for them. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I know Lucy such a Lawless does. Lucy Lawless tweets at him all the time, like, shut I up, you idiot. So much. She's the fucking best. <laughs> she's so she's so fun in Ash versus Evil Dead. I love it. She's having a great time. Yeah. She's kind of like their big bad. It's really fun. That's awesome. Anyway, so they are going to try and make their way back, but they see one lone kid walking through the snow. And again, this is bait. This is definitely bait. Mm-hmm. But it looks like John Travolta vampire just like face waterfalled her face into blood. It's Because yeah. it's like a handprint covering her face in blood. It's like it's like running down. Sort of like they just like poured it on her, sort of. Right. Uh, and Stella, is who is uh, Josh Hartnett's ex-wife, is like, 
we i gotta we, i gotta grab this it's a kid like and it's not turned like yeah this is not a vampire child uh and so she grabs the kid but now the vampires have surrounded them and so josh hartnett's like okay we'll distract or i'll distract you go to the utilidor and he meant for crixus to go with her yeah but mm -hmm. crixus follows him and kind of hides and you know they make a distraction yeah but Josh Hartnett gets to the Utilidor and Stella didn't make it. Yeah. And we don't quite know where Crixus is yet, although we will find out that he also made it to the Utilidor, but a different part of the Utilidor. He went to the Utila back door. Hell yeah, Yeah. We see the vampires in the snow uh, use blood for hair gel. Which, like, you know, use all parts of the kill. I get it, but it seemed weird to me. I think it might look fucking cool. Has anyone tried that for Halloween? Just Real like blood back hair blood gel? hair. No, like fake blood. Well, I guess fake blood would be so hard to wash out. Yeah. But so is real blood, I bet. Maybe. I don't know. But I think it would look pretty cool. Anyway, so he's like, we took centuries to make them believe that we were just their nightmares. We can't give them a reason to suspect that we actually exist. So we got to burn the whole shit down. Yeah. So that's when they start making the pipeline leaks so they can light the oil. Yeah. Uh, but we cut to the Utilidor. Crixus has arrived. Crixus has arrived, baby. Yeah. This is where he dies, too, and it is brutal. It is so hard to watch. It is because a vampire gets there and bites basically his arm off. Yeah, well, I think he, like, loses it while the vampire is struggling with Josh Hartnett, and he pushes the vampire into, like, the... Into the wood ...industrial chipper. compactor, right? Uh, and his... Chekhov's trash compactor, yeah. Yes, because it does set it up, like, 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And I think his hand gets ripped off as he's pushing him in there. But he does get bit too right yes a yeah. and he it looks like he is turning but also super in pain i'm like at least shoot him and then cut his head off i know like, right because it takes three whacks to kill him and that's it's brutal oh. man they show you the first and second oh yeah i don't know why they didn't just dump him into the chipper because that would have just insta killed i know that would have been faster it would have been faster yeah and he wouldn't have had to watch you hack his head a few times i <laughs> think they wanted to do the head hacking and that's why they oh they like, obviously did yeah but anyway, Josh Hartnett's like to his younger brother, he's like, you did a good job getting everybody here safely. Yeah. But where is Stella? She's across the street under a car wreck. She, you know, walkie talkies in and she's there with the kid and she's like, we're freezing to death because it's it's so cold. Yeah. And they're hiding under a car like there's nothing yeah. really protecting them. There's a snowbank there. So the vampires can't really see exactly where they are, but they know they're out there and not to the utilidor yet. Mm. Right. And they're like, well, if you come out of the Utilidor, they'll know that other people are in the Utilidor. And right. if we come out of this car, we're sitting ducks. There's no good way, essentially, for you to save me. And he's like, no, we're going to watch the sunset together tomorrow. So he takes some of that vampire's blood. He's like, there's no good way. But there is a badass way for me to come get you. So I'm going to choose Operation Badass and inject myself. With vampire blood. Yeah. I do think that if we had maybe stopped and workshopped a couple plans, there might have been other options. You ain't got time for that, Paige. It's impulse decisions only. It's go time. It's game day decisions. Meanwhile, the vampires have themselves a barbecue and they light all of the yeah. oil so that now the town is burning down. Literally every building is on fire. It is so cool looking. Every building's on fire. And the next day is when the sun is supposed to come up. Yeah. So he injects himself with vampire blood and then he just walks out there and fist fights a fucking vampire <laughs> for a while, uh, allowing Stella to get basically to safety. Yeah. Um, and then he punches through that vampire's head like the main guy. It's just awesome. Through brains, everything. It's through it's his awesome. mouth. 
Yeah. In the mouth, out the back of the head. Yeah. And all the other vampires are like, we're so sorry for killing your... Like, we said a lot <laughs> of mean <laughs> things over the last couple of weeks. Very sorry about that. I wonder if it's like an alpha dog kind of culture they have or... Maybe. What? Because they all like just scatter. Like, I didn't realize you guys had a fighter's boxing gym here. Uh, we, uh, we're we going to leave. I don't know you could hit like that. Which, I, there's a part of me that's like, Josh Hartnett should have stayed and ripped all their heads so that they couldn't go kill another town, but he doesn't go after them. Yeah. Instead, he and Stella watch the sun come up together as he turns into a crispy charcoal briquette. And she looks out over where they walked. I think she's going to go kill some vampires. And And that's that's the the movie. I would love a like a sequel that comes right after this. It's her walking out there. There's There's two two sequels sequels. to this movie. Oh, are there? Well, there's two graphic novel sequels, and I know that there's at least one movie sequel, but I don't know if it's like what the same is. There is at least one movie sequel. Um, Because she is sort of a badass, too, because she's like a fire marshal lady. She is very capable. I would love to see her walking towards, you know, the Demeter cruise ship and then just like snatching heads. So there's a prequel miniseries and a sequel miniseries. Okay. And a sequel movie that is direct-to-video. But the plot of the sequel is that it's a year after... Of course. ...the events of the movie, and Stella travels the world trying to convince others that vampires exist. She's fully aware of the risks to her life, but she does it out of basically tribute to Eben. Yeah. And travels to Los Angeles. To Los Angeles? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Los Angeles. As Lilith is responsible for the vampires every move and for keeping them hidden. So this is a, a, a weird extra Lilith one. Hell yeah. Interesting. Anyway, I, now I'm curious. I definitely want to read the, the graphic novels. for Yeah, sure. absolutely. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think overall about 30 Days of Night? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Fantastic. I think it's a dope movie. I don't. I wouldn't watch it if not for this horror podcast that we do once a week, but... I get why people were like, y'all need to revisit this movie. It is, like, I think one of the best from, like, that mid-2000s, like, paint-by-numbers horror. Like, it's really good at that. It does it really well. It is really good. I don't think it's paint-by-numbers, but I think it's really good. I think it's pretty inventive. Like, even though it has a lot of the same story beats, I think it does them in unique ways. Well, I I think that, too. I definitely agree with that. Because, like, the vampire take is completely different. The creature look is completely different. Even though it is similar, but different, right? And I I love that. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, here it is with your fun facts. Gordain, fun facts. (laughs) Gordain. Uh, Now, we burned a lot of these at the the beginning, so... um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Steve Niles, who wrote the graphic novel... His picture hangs in the attic hideout, so you can kind of like love that. Pick it out. That's great. <laughs> now, <laughs> in reality, Barrow. Now, Barrow's name. The name of the town is now. I will probably butcher this. I will struggle to pronounce it. I apologize. Utkivik. Okay. I'm. It's U T Q I A G V I K. I believe it's an indigenous word. Sure. Uh, I am so sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. You pronounced it way better than Mikey and I would have, even if you butchered it. I guarantee you. So, but they actually don't see sun for sixty-seven days. What? Not just thirty. I I don't think I could do sixty-seven days of no sun. I don't think I could do it. That's too long. Uh, So Josh Hartnett did his own stunts, even though he had mono the entire time he was, or at least for two weeks of filming. Wow. Yeah. Okay. When he had mono. Good for him, man. And Melissa George, who plays Stella, did most of her own driving as well. Nice. Now, during the time when Josh Hartnett was sick, he also had to fly to Venice, London, New York, and Los Angeles 
from Alaska because it was when the Black Dahlia was out and oh, he was yeah. having to do premieres. Like press events and shit like and that. And press junkets, yeah. yes. Oh, brutal. Let's talk a little bit about the comics or the, the graphic novel. The head vampire Vicente, who's played by that one guy. Yeah, Anthony Gordain. Anthony Gordain. He travels to Barrow to stop the other vampires' plans to preserve the secrecy of vampires. So I guess in the graphic novel, the vampires are like, we're going to go. And he's like, I got to put a stop to this. And I got to at least destroy this city so that no one can find out about us. So that's like context that's missing from the movie. But honestly, I think the movie is fine without it. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. David Slade, who directed this movie, uh, said that originally Sam Raimi was supposed to direct the film when the script was in early stages. Uh, but Raimi opted to produce instead. Now, I would have loved a Raimi directed version of, of this, but I think it would have been a little probably heightened like comic gore. Right. I think we get a little more of a serious tone and I don't hate it. I like it. Me either. I don't know that name like I know Sam Raimi's name, but I guarantee you this dude's still working. This is a good movie yeah. he made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the vampires have names, but they're not mentioned until the end credits. That doesn't surprise me just because it's based on a comic book or a graphic novel. I, I think that's one of the reasons, even though we don't get a lot of the stories that are in the graphic novel, it still feels like a very rich universe we're witnessing this movie in. Yeah. Well, and that's there's some pieces of stuff from the graphic novel that make it into the movie that we just don't have context for. So if you, you blink, if you miss it. Yeah. Uh, so the little girl vampire actually has arm tattoos really that are visible for a couple frames and i did notice this in the movie and i could i figured it was just because she was a vampire right but one of them is the logo for a german industrial band uh which i'm gonna real really fuck this name up rammstein Einsterzend new button yeah who's not rammstein but <laughs> it does look like a rammstein music video at the end of this movie when they light the whole town on fire though like hell yeah it does yeah i'm here for it, it does there is a wilhelm scream in this movie is there yes during the initial attack so that that overhead shot a guy gets thrown off a roof and he wilhelm screams awesome okay cool they did not use actual snow. So that woman in the dress was probably fine. Thank God. Okay, good for her. But a lot of it was salt. Salt and okay. usually soap flakes are, yeah. are ones that people use. But you'll be interested to know this because, again, I, you and I posited that this is a combo of digital and practical used pretty judiciously to create a realistic world. I assume, A yeah. lot of the snow is digital. Wow. Uh, they did a good job with it then, Love man. that. For 2007. Wow. That's well done. Yeah. Uh, in the comics, the hero's name is Eben Olimon, uh, and it was changed to Eben Olison for the film as it happened to be the real sheriff of Barrow's name. What? Are you serious? Last name, I believe. I don't think it's first and last, but yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But still, that's cool that they did that. Uh, one of the other things they did digitally is edit out the breath of vampires when they're out in the cold. Now, granted, again, because it's not real snow, it's not that cold. Right. So they didn't have to do it as much as like in the thing where people have talked about, you know, is there breath, is there not? Right. Um, but that was also a defining factor in where they filmed this, too, because it's like, well, if you film it in a warm climate and then just make it look snowy, then you don't have to account for their breath, basically. But you do have to account for the people's breath who aren't vampires, though. Who aren't outside that much. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, now, originally, this was in Australia rated R18 plus. Um, but because Australia has a different rating system than us and not the MPAA, who sucks, uh, they <laughs> appealed the decision and won. Nice. And it was classified as MA15 plus which allowed a wider audience to see the film. Yeah, because this is straight up R. 
Yeah. In America. Yeah. In America. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now, posters were originally printed with the R18 plus rating. And so they had to make stickers with the new rating to cover the old rating because marketing had already gone out. Of course. So, yeah. Uh, the sounds of the vampires were created with a mix of the actor screams, but also the recordings of local death metal singers and various marsupials. So they sound and they don't sound quite human but they they do sound a little animal which i love yes. i thought that was a really cool touch like no notes yeah and that's the group sounds whenever they're running in groups yeah yeah the individual roars of the vampires which i thought was a really interesting touch uh is the actors screaming while inhaling so like ah! Like, that's how they make that sound. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Originally, Forrest Whitaker was one of David Slade's top choices mm. uh, for the film, but he was unavailable at the time, unfortunately. I would have loved that, though. Yeah. Uh, so one of the vampires was supposed to be uh, just a peripheral character, a vampire named Arvin. Uh, but the director was so impressed during rehearsals that he, this one vampire gets used in most of the scenes that called for an unspecified vampire. You definitely recognize him in the film. Oh, yeah. You mean the bald vampire guy? Yes, this is the bald vampire guy. You see him the most. Yeah. Yeah, he was in The Hobbit. He was in Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Uh, he's been in a ton of stuff. He was in King Kong. Pretty much anything that films in New Zealand. He was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's like him and then the other taller, long-haired vampire. Yeah. Uh, there's actually two vampires that look like that. So to most people watching the movie, there seems to be one vamp bald vampire, which is Arvin. But in the scene where the head vampire is telling them to destroy everything... There's another bald vampire standing just in front of him where that vampire is a completely different actor with a tattoo on the right side of his head. Really? And you can only tell them apart because they have different outfits on. Arvin has a flannel shirt and jeans and the other one is wearing a suit. Okay. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. What do you guys think the production budget was for 30 Days of Night in 2007? I'm actually going to say this cost about Four million. Okay. I'm going to say 20 million. Yeah. Okay. So, Mikey, you are closer. Okay. But it's actually $30 million. Damn. And that okay. may be why the CGI looks so good, Paige. Yeah, I think so. When you adjust for inflation, that's $44.5 million today. Now, this movie came out, it premiered on October 19th, 2007. It was number one the weekend it came out. It beat the number two movie, Why Did I Get Married? Uh, number three was The Game Plan. Number four was Michael Clayton. And number five was The Comebacks. What do you think 30 Days of Night made in its opening weekend? This was a big movie at the time. People were kind of obsessed with this. So I'm going to say opening weekend, it at least made probably 18. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? Nine. So it made $15.9 million. Paige was closer. Okay. Yeah, it, it did pretty respectable uh, in its opening weekend. Uh, it was in theaters for a total of six weeks. It was third in its second week, and then it fell out of the top five, but didn't fall out of the top 10 until its fifth week. Um, nice. When it was only in a, 915 theaters, and it premiered in... Uh, 2,855. So, but what do you think it made domestically at the box office? 55. Okay. 62. So it made a little bit less domestically. It made $39.5 million. Let's just say that. Uh, and then it made another $40.7 million internationally for a total of $80.2 million worldwide. Now that would be roughly $119 million today, but it also did... $29.9 million in domestic DVD and Blu-ray sales. It made, almost made its budget back in just DVD sales. That's crazy. 
So this movie made plenty of money. I definitely understand why they made sequels to it. But that is your box office. Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, our scary scale. Listen to a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the films today. Our one example is Ghostbuster. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige. I'm going to give this a 3. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to give it a four, um, which I'm sure is less than what I gave it last time. I honestly don't remember what I gave it last time, but it's much more palatable once you've seen it for people who are scared of scary movies. I'm going to give it a two. I still think it holds up scary wise. It does hold up, man. The, The gore is really well done in this. And that's our scary scale. So this week, the listeners made us watch 30 Days of Night. What's the new theme next week? And what movie are we watching? As you know, the WGA and SAG strikes continued through most of this year. So there were a lot of movies we didn't get to do because... They were struck work. They were struck work. And we didn't want to be seen as promoting struck work. So... Uh, we are going to do new movies for December. It's like their little presents we get to open yeah. uh, for December. But we're going to kick it off with Five Nights at Freddy's. It's our Hooray, the Strikes Are Over theme month. Hooray! So your homework for next week is to watch Five Nights at Freddy's on Peacock, I believe. I think yeah. it on Peacock. I've heard a lot of people talk about this, and I have a love-hate relationship with this horror video game franchise because this is one of those games I would play on Twitch stream, and it it I hated it. It was so... I am scary. But this is a kid's game. This is a kid's game, correct? It's so scary. I'm completely unfamiliar. Should I play it? No. You can get on your phone page. It's a kid's, it's a child's toy. On computer, in the dark, it's so scary. It's like jump scare teddy bear, like evil teddy bears jumping out at you. Oof. Can I do it on PlayStation? I bet you yeah. can. I, I'd be shocked okay. if they didn't. But your homework for next week is to watch, not play, watch now, Five Nights at Freddy's, and then check back for that episode next Monday. So, Mike, do you have a review for us to read? No. Well, while you're looking one up, let me uh, look up a comment that was left under our Spotify episodes. This is a Spotify comment on our Brom Stoker's Dracula episode from Jessica Stark. And it says, at 16 minutes and 24 seconds, Mikey chuckles and it sounds like an emu. And I haven't gone back to listen to that. But if you could confirm that it does sound like that, that'd be great. I want to hear that. Like, Drop it in the Facebook group. I want to hear it. We got another. So, Mikey, I see you laughing. Do you have a review for us to read? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monkey Geen. So, what does Monkey Geen have to say? Love it better than others. Oh, why? Thank you. The conversation of the movies they cover make the movies way better. I can tell Paige loves these bad movies and Todd's hates them, but doesn't. And the other, <laughs> Mikey is there, and it wouldn't be a great podcast without him. Love you, Mikey. Heart emojis, five stars. So true. A Monkey Geen, exactly. Thank you so much. For that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm. than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If 
you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode brought to you by Tia. And Tia's teenager has been driving her crazy. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week, guys? She told a guy that if he fought in the Coliseum enough times that he could win his own wife back. But she was lying the whole time. Dirty. Uh, and so eventually I think that guy's going to lead an uprising against the, the gladiator people. Well, Tia, lock that up. Don't let your teenager do that anymore. It's mean. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan sent us this, it looks like a cameo video. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's Kane Hodder. If he mentions the autobiography page... I'm gonna lose my fucking mind! Oh, Kane Hodder is talking to you, Paige, by name. <laughs> He's being so diplomatic. I love it. This is is everything. <laughs> That's Aww. amazing and so nice of him. We can never say anything bad about him ever again. I promise I never will. Fuck. That's amazing. Kane Hodder spoke to you. I'm not at all upset or sad that Kane Hodder only mentioned your name in that cameo, but like that was awesome. Jonathan, thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for the support you give already. That's amazing. I don't know what Kane Hodder goes for on Cameo, but it can't be cheap. I It can't be cheap. That's probably a, a pricey one. Yeah, Thank definitely. you so much. Yeah. I'm glad I finally got a Cameo. That was amazing. <laughs> Actually, I wonder if he heard us talking about that in an episode and was like, I'll get page one. That makes sense why it was so yeah, page heavy. I love that for you. I love it so much. I still will take my Justin Hawkins over Kane Hodder every day. Anyway. <laughs> well, now I have to go get a picture with Kane Hodder and then post it. Absolutely. We now return you to another episode of uh, The Patreonical. But, uh, I'm going to be honest, guys. I forgot what happened last time. So we're going to start. We're starting fresh storyline here. Uh, I know they're in the Mad Max world. Uh, love that for you. Yep. And it's like a train with a lot of 18 wheelers and they're okay. And there's some other stuff going on. I've set it up before, so I'm not going to do it again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Why would you? Yeah. Um, Madeline is on top of her bad guy bus uh, and Emotion Joe Edward is behind her and his thing. And he's loud speakering and throwing uh, spears at Sunzi, who is playing his fire guitar and he's shooting the spears with the fire out of it. And, uh, Isaac and Natasha send their kids and their little go-karts after Emotion Joe. Uh, Madeline's uh, henchmen destroy two of those go-karts. I don't know what happened to those kids. There's too much smoke. We'll be, we, may, we may never see. Um, <laughs> they were able to destroy one of the cars, and then Emotion Joe picks up Sexcalibur. And Sexcalibur's like, you get your hands off me. And he's like, no, uh, you're my weapon now. And Sexcalibur... <laughs> 
can cut anything like antima- like adamantium. Yeah, he can cut anything into yeah. pieces. It's a sword. Yeah, exactly. Caliber bones a lot. Yes. Back at the back at the good guys train, Karun and Natasha start crying again because they've lost a few children. I get it. Yeah. So they make six more right then. Good right lord, then there. they're fast. They're yeah, so fast. They're, they're just they're aliens. They're still aliens. That's fair. Kate tries to is on top of the thing and trying nice. to get Sexcalibur back with her uh, with her uh, telekinesis, and then Madeline throws a jester. Mm, you know those little wand things they have. You know a jester. It's sort of like a um. What does a king hold? Yeah, like a scepter. Scepter. It's sort of like a scepter, but it's like a joke. You know, it's like a it's like a toy scepter. She throws yeah. her joke scepter. Hell yeah. Hits Kate right in the noggin. And you know it's a joke scepter because when it hits Kate in the noggin, a scroll shoots out and it says bang. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then she falls off, but Isaac in his little black knight car catches her and he's like, oh my gosh, I caught you. Uh, Aaron starts firing her bows and arrows at their giant war school bus. Of course you do. Uh, yes. Uh, Wes, the handsome dude, unknowingly had climbed into their thing and... Sneaks into Allie's car where Allie the mermaid is being treated by River Moon, who's jumping, just dumping in some mushrooms and essential oils. And like he thinks they're about to cook her because he's a bad guy and that's his mentality. Are they about to cook me or is this like a really fancy hot tub experience? (laughs) I honestly don't know. Bowie, Bowie, the Florida man, sees him and hits him with a plink flamingo that he has been holding on to the whole time. Of course. Uh, And they are in a a big fight. Uh, Jeremy is also there. And he's fighting him. Wes throws him down, but the Plink Flamingo is made out of metal and cuts off the rest of Jeremy's toes. He's lost all his toes on that foot. Oh, my God. Which foot is it, Mikey? And make sure it's the right one. It's the right foot. Oh, I meant the correct one. But okay, the right foot. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Uh, And then so he's in pain and bleeding and River Moon's like, oh, I've got something to do finally. And so she starts bandaging the foot up. Libby... um, realizes what's going on and she sees Mr. Ragebomb who is riding shotgun because there's some like weird tension between them and it's, it's a little road trip you know stuff like that happens yeah like sexual energy that can build on a road trip with like your yeah coolest bros yeah Mr. Ragebomb fires a blue firework out of his hand and that's a sign to Vixen Avery to shoot the bunch of machine guns she has at everybody and like <laughs> They fall back, but they have captured Wes, and that's the end of the episode. Oh, no. So we're going to have to wait till next week to find out what happens to Wes on another episode of The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. I am sick as shit today, nerds. Yeah, go rest up, Bo. Yeah, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs>